You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. As I was praying about the message to share with you this week, the Lord laid on my heart the idea of being a mountain mover. And I was instantly reminded of Jesus' words in the Gospels about faith and its ability to move mountains. And I believe that there are people that are facing imposing and intimidating situations, mountains that need to be moved, and this message is for them today. God wants us to be mountain movers. Do you agree with that today? Instead of looking at it and going, I guess that's just the way it is. Instead of looking at it and becoming uh, overwhelmed, intimidated, frightened even by the prospect of what lies before you. Can I encourage you today that God wants you to be someone who moves mountains, not by your power, but by his power at work within you. I want us to take a look at two verses in the gospel this morning, two places where Jesus talks about this exactly. And the first, of course, is in Matthew 17, looking at verses 14 through 21. Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21. And it says, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, meaning Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered in a very peculiar way. He says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Verse 20. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Can you underline that and emphasize that? It will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Let's give a little background here today. You know, Jesus is on Mount Tabor with Peter, James, and John, his inner circle. And uh, on that mountain, he reveals himself in power and in glory. He's transfigured. And they have a wonderful experience. They're they're amazed by the, the glory and the presence of God. And they come down from the mountainside and immediately they're confronted with a demon-possessed boy and some frantic parents that are looking for help. And while they were up there, they uh, went to the nine other disciples and says, can you pray for our son that he might be healed and he might be set free? And they prayed and nothing happened. So when Jesus came down, they went to Jesus and, you know, I'm not going to get into all the details of the why and the wherefores of his healing and you know, the deliverance that takes place because that's not the focus of my message this morning. But Jesus rebukes the demon and he's made, the boy is made well. And when the disciples say, well, why why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do that? And Jesus talked to them about the importance of faith. Having a mustard seed of faith. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? A few years ago, I did a message about mustard seeds of faith. I gave you guys a little tiny jar that had mustard seeds in them. 
And the size of a mustard seed is probably no bigger than the tip of a pen. It's very small, very minuscule. And so when we're talking about faith, we're talking about a very small amount of faith. Is Jesus talking about hyping yourself up, talking yourself into having big faith? I don't think so. I don't think it's the quantity of your faith, but the quality of your faith that matters to God. If you don't believe that God can, then he probably won't. So you have to start and begin there. Do you believe that the Lord can do what you're asking him to do? Or do you believe that some things are just too big for him? That's the question we must ask ourselves. Is God able to do this? Or do we look at it as though it's too big for him to do? And if we're looking at it as though it's too big for him to do, then already we've defeated ourselves in our minds and hearts. So we have to change the way that we look at things. As one writer said, quote, When the disciples failed to heal the boy, Jesus pointed to their lack of faith as the problem. But Jesus did not demand an extraordinary large amount of faith. He described the amount of faith he had in mind. It was the size of a mustard seed, very small and quite attainable by all his disciples. But faith is not a physical quantity, so the essence of Jesus' response is that success comes not from the amount of a believer's faith, but from the fact that he has even the smallest amount of true faith that wholly relies upon the power of God, end quote. So the issue is not how much faith they had. Jesus said, if you had just this amount of faith, this mustard seed-sized faith, you could say to the mountain, be removed, and it would be removed at thy word. The issue is not the quantity of their faith, but the quality of their faith. The issue doesn't often have to do with the size of our problem. It has to do with the size of our faith and how we see the size of our God. So think of the perspectives in your life. Think of all the things that you're going through in different ways. How do you view your problem? How do you view your circumstance, your situation? Do you see it as too big for you or God to handle? What about the size of your God? Do you see God as being big and powerful and the creator of the universe and able to do impossible things? If you don't see him that way, then you're probably not going to see him work that way. Part of the issue is that we make things too big for God to do. But remember the scriptures that say, heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. When you think about heaven being God's throne, and the earth being God's footstool, think of the largest mountain in in the world that we have today, whether it's 5,280 feet, if not more. That's nothing to God if heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. The things that seem massive and imposing to us are small and insignificant to the Lord. Compared to the God who created the universe, every mountain and every valley is small, and minute. For us, looking up at the mountain, our problem is that our mountain seems too big for us. When facing mountains, a heavenly perspective is absolutely important and essential. You need to see things the way God sees them. Not from the bottom up, but from the top down. 
When you're looking at things from the top down, it's a completely different perspective than if you're looking at things from the bottom up. So give you some examples from life. If you're standing at the bottom of the mountain and you look up, it's massive, it's imposing, it's intimidating. It's even awe-inspiring. Or if you've ever been to New York City, there are parts of New York City as you walk through the streets of that city that the buildings are so close to each other and so tall that the only way that you're going to be able to see the sky is if you look up. And I've walked down those streets and on a windy day, the wind just concentrates and blows through that corridor of concrete so that you can feel the wind blowing. If you've ever stood at the base of the Chrysler Building, the Empire State Building, or the Freedom Tower and look up, it is huge, massive, imposing, intimidating. But if you went into that building and you took that long elevator ride to the top and went to the observatory deck and went out on that observatory deck, the view is amazing. And then when you look down, everything else seems small by comparison. Having a heavenly perspective is important when you look at your problems. To you, they might seem huge. To you, they might seem too big for God to answer. They might seem like mountains, but that's because you're looking at it solely from a human perspective, and you're not looking at it as though God is looking at it. Don't look at it from a worldly perspective. What would happen if you looked at things from God's perspective? Your problems may seem big to you, but to God, they're actually very small. Start choosing to see things the way God sees them and pray that way. Don't pray the way you see them. Pray the way that God would see them. Look at the situation as though he were in the room, which he is, and speak to the situation as though he was able to do something right at that moment. Choose to believe it in that way. When we choose to pray and say, God, nothing is impossible for you. And to me, this seems big, but to you, it's very small. When you pray that way, you'll be able to change your perspective. The reason why nothing will be impossible for you is because nothing is impossible for him. It's not because that you're great or handsome or good-looking or smart or intelligent or because you have greater faith or you're more spiritual than somebody else. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God and his ability and his power and his authority to do great things. We have to have sincere and confident faith in God. That we look at the situation and we say to ourselves, do we believe that God still does things the way that he does in the Bible and the way he did in the New Testament church? Do we believe that? Sometimes we believe that God can, but he won't for us. We have to have confidence not in ourselves, but in the God that we serve. Now you have to forgive me if the room is particularly echoey today. There's a reason for that. And if it looks like we haven't really taken care of the place, there's a reason for that. We're in the middle of renovations. We've repainted this room. This is the first coat. There'll be a second coat on in a minute. We'll also be replacing the carpet soon as well. So in the meantime, please forgive our appearance and please forgive the echo 
as it bounces off the walls with nothing else on the walls. But we have to have confidence in him. Are we confident in who God is? Our confidence in him must be communicated in the way that you think, the way that you speak, and the way that you act and respond. Let's look at another verse where Jesus talks about mountains being removed. Mark 11, 23 through 26. It says, in ver- sorry, starting in verse 22 even, this part is important. Have faith in God, first and foremost. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things when he says they will be done, he will have whatever he says. And therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask and you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you will have them. Now a lot of people stop here. But there's another verse after. Verse 25, it says, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. What is one of the things that people miss when they pray in faith? Sincere, powerful, situation-changing prayers require not only faith, but also forgiveness. We need to come to God with clean hands and a pure heart in order to be heard by him. So when we're praying, sometimes we have a lot of faith, but we haven't made our hearts right before the Lord. We haven't uh, confessed our sins to him so that we might be forgiven and that nothing gets in the way of our prayer. Here in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is again speaking to his disciples, and he talks to them about moving mountains again. In Jewish culture, a mountain is often represented a significant challenge or difficulty. If someone was facing a mountain, it usually represented a situation that was bigger than them. The situation can be intimidating and scary. And make no mistake, when Jesus communicates to his disciples about the future and how God will use them powerfully, he also is very keen to let them know that not everyone's going to receive their message and that there's going to be opposition and persecution and there'll be challenges that they face. But sometimes when we see intimidating, scary things, there are times when we're inclined to worry and allow our minds to get ahead of us. Now, I know that you don't worry, but I do at times, sometimes more so than I probably should. And I'm usually worried that things are going to be worst-case scenarios none of which actually manifests and happens. More often than not, it's just my mind getting the better of me or my thoughts getting ahead of me or projecting things that will probably never happen. As one counselor friend once told me, a good way to help you with this is to reality test your thoughts. Ask yourselves, what's the worst that can happen? Well, that's easy. We're good at that. You know, the worst case that happened is no one likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms. But also, so we have no problem with the worst case scenario. That almost comes like second nature to us. But what's the best that could happen? That's another great question to ask yourself too. What's the best that could happen in this situation? And you're like, well, the best, and we sometimes have to pause and think about it. It's like, well, I suppose the best that could happen in this situation would be these things. 
All right. And then the third question is, what will realistically happen? What will most likely happen? Because there's the worst case scenario, and the worst case scenario usually doesn't happen. There's the best case scenario, and sometimes that doesn't happen either. But what's a more likely scenario that's willing to happen? And if you can test those things, it'll help you to keep your mind from going down a path that probably shouldn't go. Another great way is ask a friend what they think. They have a different perspective than you. And even though your perspective might be very fatalistic, a good friend, a brother or sister in Christ, will not join you in your negativity, but will speak faith to the situation. Your faith can grow when you have someone else to lend to your faith and encourage your faith. So ask a friend what they think about it. There are times where we're inclined to worry and we get our minds off the situation we think too far ahead. And there's times where we speak and think worst-case scenarios. Some examples might be like, this job is going to kill me. I feel terrible, and I'm never going to get any better. Nobody likes me. Nothing is ever going to change. The problem with that is what we think and what we speak becomes our expectation and our reality. Now, please understand, I've been jumped all over by Christians before because I've said something in passing that I wasn't really sure about how something was going to turn out. I'm like, oh, brother, you shouldn't say that. Don't say that because as though, like, if I said something out of doubt or negativity or just out of concern, people would jump all over me. You say that, and God's not going to do it. As if God is waiting around for me to mess up, to be able to undermine me in some way. I don't serve God out of superstition. I'm just letting you know that right now. My God is much more gracious than that. Now, listen, I'm not talking about like I'm walking around in in a negative state of mind, believing the worst case scenario. I'm just talking about in passing. Like, well, I, I hope this turns out okay. Well, you should have more faith, brother. It's like, hey, hey, relax, okay? I'm a pastor, okay? I know the word. I know, I know about having faith. Don't, don't, you don't have to jump on me. I get it. I understand. I'm not talking about where I'm walking around like, oh, no, things are going to be bad. Things are never going to work out. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about mentioning something in conversation and having somebody jump on me. I don't serve God out of superstition. God's not going to take one thing I say and not bless me or answer my prayers because I had a moment of hesitation. You know why? Because my relationship with him is deeper than that. Your relationship with him is deeper than that. If, if, if what you say in just a, a simple moment can completely undo everything God's doing in your life, then what kind of relationship do you have with him? My relationship with God is deeper than that. We have to be careful, though, not to let a passing word and thought become a mentality and a lifestyle in which we are constantly believing for the worst instead of the best. You know what happens when you believe the worst? It usually comes to being. If you walk around speaking negativity, if you walk around as a negative person, you begin to see negative circumstances appear in your life. But if you approach your situation in faith, Listen, allowing someone to talk to you and to change your perspective can help. Uh, Understanding that even though you might have initially responded with unbelief, if you eventually kind of recenter yourself and focus yourself on faith and start praying and believing that way, then that will change your circumstances. The Bible tells us it's important 
that our thoughts and our speech match. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so shall he be. I would tell this to my kids all the time. And there are times where they felt insecure. There's times they felt negative, And they would communicate that to me. And they said, I'm no good. No one likes me. I said, as you think in your heart, that's what you're going to be. Because what we understand about ourselves, what we think about ourselves, eventually becomes the way that we speak, becomes our reality. I'll tell you this much, too. If you, want, if you don't want people to speak negatively of you, don't give them permission to do so by speaking negatively of yourself. There's a certain degree of like being self-depreciating. I do it all the time. But if you get in a place where you are comfortable making fun of yourself, guess what? Other people are going to make fun of you. If, you. if you're down on yourself all the time, other people will kind of seize on to that as well. But what happens if you believed in your heart and you allowed it to affect the way you think and you speak? Jesus said in uh, Luke 6.45, out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. That good things come, out, come from the good that's stored up inside us, and evil things come from the evil that's stored up inside us. How we speak reflects what's going on on the inside. But what if your response was not negative? What if your response was not uh, speaking the worst of the situation? What if your response to the mountain was a response of faith and trust in God? We need to speak to our mountain. Does that mean you should go out and go, to, you know, to Sod Mountain and go talk to the mountain? Does that mean you should go and drive, you know, drive to Mount Greylock and talk to the mountain? No, that's not what I'm talking about at all. Although you could have a good prayer hike and, and walk those uh, paths and pray to God. We need to speak to our mountain, our situation, not in worry, fear, or discouragement, but rather in faith. Change the way you speak. Verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So what is our faith in? Remember, Jesus is talking about a mustard seed of faith. Is our faith in our words? Is our faith in our faith. I'm going to work it up and then I'll have enough faith. And when the faith meter hits the mark, like a thermostat hitting the top of that, uh, you know, if you're having a heat wave and it finally hits 100%, then now God's going to do something for you. Is our faith in our words? Is our faith in our faith? No, our faith is not in our words, but our faith is in God's words and the God that we serve. Amen? Our faith is in him and what he says and what he can do. Our words and our belief apart from God, listen to me, are just positive thinking. If we remove God from the scenario and we say, well, don't say anything bad. Don't say anything negative. Never have any doubts. Never have any fears. We all are human. We may think it, but don't give place to it. But if we're saying, okay, just speak positive things, just believe positive things, then that's just positive thinking and that won't have any effect. But if we put our trust in God's word, God's ability, God's power, then he pairs up with us and brings about miraculous things to have happen. This is not about 
uh, and don't miss this, not about working up or hyping up our faith to get God to answer us. Instead, it's about expressing full faith, trust, and confidence that God will come through for us. It's about having faith and confidence, just like you have faith and confidence that when you go home, your family will be there. They haven't changed the locks, and they haven't moved out all your stuff. There's never a moment in my life when I drive home that I'm like, I hope they'll be there. I hope they didn't sell the house. I hope that there's things, my stuff is still there. There's never a moment that. Why? And get this, get this, get this. Relationship. I have confidence in the relationship I have with my family. I have confidence in the relationship I have with God. I don't have to wonder if I go before God on any given day, will I be received by him because it has nothing to do with me, has everything to do with the grace and mercy that's been extended to us at the throne of grace. And I can come confidently. I'm not coming with an arrogant attitude. I'm not coming thinking I'm the best thing in the world. I'm not coming trying to tell God what to do. I'm coming recognizing that any time that the, that the door is open for me, I have an audience with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't have to work out trying to fit his schedule. If anything, I've got to try and fit, figure out my schedule so I spend more time with him and I meet with him on a more regular basis. I don't have to wonder about whether or not he's okay with me coming or if he's like, oh, here he is again. And sometimes it can feel that way for you. That sometimes you might think to yourself, God's tired of hearing about this. God's tired of this request that I bring before him. God's tired of me darkening his doorstep. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, even Jesus in his parable of the persistent widow makes it clear he's not worn out by your coming. So keep on coming to him no matter what. Yet some people never speak to their circumstance. They never speak to their mind. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that some people never pray about their situation. And when they do, they don't do it with confidence in God. Maybe the disciples, as they tried to cast a demon out of that boy, they're kind of like, Jesus, can they just come out? How did they pray for him? Did they pray with confidence? Did they pray with full assurance that he would do it? Maybe it was Peter, James, and John that were part of the inner circle. Maybe they had more experience in casting out demons than the rest of the disciples did. Maybe they thought, well, this is what Jesus does. That's not what I do. How we speak to the situation is important. If people pray, sometimes they pray and they don't do with confidence in God. Many times those prayers can seem uncertain or weak or not fully convinced that God can or even that he will. Nothing's worse than having your mountain before you and never even mentioning it to God in prayer. Just waiting for you to figure it out. Just trying to muscle your way through it. Just trying to say, okay, well, I'll, I'll get through it like I've always gotten through it before. One of the worst things you can do as a believer is to never bring your circumstances before God and speak to the Lord about your mountain. Talking about your mountain is not the same as speaking to your mountain. Talking about it, complaining about it, lamenting over it, worrying about it is not speaking to your mountain. It's speaking about your mountain. 
talking to other believers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends and neighbors, talking about it and complaining about it and lamenting about it and being negative about it is not speaking to your mountain. It's speaking about it. And it's speaking about how bad it is, how big it is, how intimidating it is, how you're not sure you're going to make it. None of those things will ever for a moment move the needle as far as God doing something in your behalf. None of talking about it, it may make you feel better, but it won't move the hand of God. Don't let your mountain speak to you. You speak to your mountain. Choose to pray and speak to your mountain in prayer. Pray what God's word says. Pray against your worst case scenario. Pray in trust and confidence in God. Tell the mountain to get out of the way. If it's in front of you and you need to go forward, it needs to get out of the way. If it's in the way of what God is doing in your life, then speak to it and tell it to get out of the way. If it's between you and what God wants you to do, you can have confidence that you can speak to it and believe he will remove it. If it's getting between you and your relationship with God, and speak to it and tell it to get out of the way. Whether it's an addiction, a temptation, or some kind of circumstance in your life, if it's getting between you and getting closer to God, say, I don't have time for this. This has no place in my life. So move now. Amen. And it will have to move. If it's getting between you and your family knowing God, if it's getting between you and your children, speak to it. Call it what it is and tell it to get out of the way. Sometimes you need revelation as to what is standing in the way so you can pray and ask God to have it removed. Sometimes we're praying for the wrong thing. Disciples are praying for the young boy to be healed. The young boy's not healed. Jesus comes and prays that the young boy would be delivered from a demon and he's set free. What happened? They are praying for the wrong thing. Many times one of the reasons you will not see the mountain move is because you're praying for the wrong mountain. You're praying for Greylock and it's Mount Sodom. Pray for the right mountain to be removed. Meanwhile, that mountain's over there being moved and you're like, well, nothing's happening here. Ask God to tell you what's in the way. You're praying for your wife. You're praying for your husband. You're praying for your parents. You're praying for your children. You're praying for your job situation. But you're praying the wrong thing. You're praying and saying, well, God, would you help them to get closer? In the meantime, they've got addiction in their life. In the meantime, they've got sickness and circumstances in their life. Maybe they have hidden sin in their life that's getting in the way. Ask God to give you revelation. What mountain should I be praying against? And have him tell you. And when you speak to it in the authority of God's word and by his spirit, it will have to move. That mountain will crumble. That mountain will move. And the path before you will be clear. It's okay. You can clap. Go ahead. Don't clap for me. Clap for God. Because he is able to do that today. Do you believe that? Speak to that situation. Once you receive revelation from the Lord in prayer, pray that mountain down is it sickness is it a broken relationship is it an addiction in someone's life is it temptation that keeps them down what is it and speak to it 
and ask and invoke God's name on your behalf to come against that thing in his name. Speak to the mountain and tell it to be uprooted and thrown into the sea. Jesus said this on the mountain of olives with the dead sea in view. He's saying, when you see this mountain, pray, and God will pick it up and throw it into the dead sea. He will move it out of the way because of sincere, earnest, and confident prayer in Jesus' name. So there's a few things I just want to share with you real quickly. Write these down. Five things if you want to be a mountain mover. We've kind of talked about it already, but I'll say it again. Number one, speak to your mountain. Don't talk about your mountain. Talk to God about your mountain. That's the first thing. Speak to your mountain. Secondly, have faith and don't doubt him. I'm talking about doubting yourself. I'm talking about doubting the circumstances. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt his goodness. Your faith may be small, but that's okay. Remember, you're not the one moving the mountain. Thanks be to God, right? Amen. Look at some of our arms. If you look at my arms, I'm not moving any mountains, at least not quickly. You know? But God, when we ask for his help, he's the one moving it. So don't have faith, don't doubt him. Thirdly, don't make small things into mountains that aren't. Hello? Are you with me today? Many things that you call a mountain aren't really mountains. It's just your worry and anxiety taking hold. And it's something you're praying God remove the mountain, and God's like, there ain't no mountain. It's you. You've let that get in the way. It's in your mind. It's like being in a prison cell with the door unlocked, but you don't know it. All you need to do is just push that gate open and you're free. So don't make the small things big. God knows what you have need of before you ask for it. You will never face the big challenges if you keep getting tripped up by the small ones. Fourthly, Remember that some things God will move out of your way and other things he wants, you to bring, he wants to bring you over them. When the mountain is before you, ask yourself this question. Is this a mountain to be removed, avoided, or climbed? Is this a mountain to be removed, avoided, or climbed? Sometimes God will give you a way out or around something And other times he wants to take you over the mountain so you can learn about God's power and his character. So there's some times where we're we're looking at, many times when you think about confrontation, you're gearing up for a confrontation that maybe you shouldn't even get involved with in the first place. Instead of that situation and saying, I'm going into it and I'm ready to face this mountain, God's like, I never wanted you to face that mountain. In fact, you should avoid that. There's an expression in business Choose what hill you want to die on and fight and die on. There are times we fight and we choose to die on things that really have nothing to do with our purpose and our calling in God. We need to be more discerning about what we choose to fight against. If that mountain's before you, maybe he's going to find a way of escape, a way around those things. Other times there'll be times where he wants you to climb the mountain, to scale the mountain, and to see things about God that you didn't see before. So ask yourself, is this a mountain to be removed, not to be avoided, or a mountain to be climbed? Fifthly, 
remember that the most important spiritual moments in the Bible happen on mountains. I want you to grab hold of this, okay? We're like, well, God, remove the mountains. Take away the mountains. Everything needs to be flat in my life, God. No challenges, no difficulties, no circumstances. But I want you to think about all the times where God showed up on the mountain. Think about this. Moses saw the burning bush on Mount Hebron. There, God spoke to him on the mountain. On Mount Sinai, God gave the Ten Commandments and the law to Moses, directing the people for the next 3,000 years. King David, when he conquered the Jebusite city on the mountain, he later renamed it Jerusalem. And to this day, it's still the city of God, the city of peace, and it's known as Mount Zion. But God didn't just say, okay, I'm going to incinerate that city and you're going to take it over and build a new city on top of it. David said, I'm taking that city for the Lord. And it's not going to be a Jebusite city. It's going to be an Israelite city. And it's going to be a city where God's presence dwells both now and through eternity. But that was on a mountain too. The prophets of Baal were defeated on Mount Carmel. Jesus gave his sermon on the mount on the Mount of Olives. Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured on Mount Tabor. Jesus himself was crucified on a hill called Golgotha. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended from the Mount of Olives, Acts 1, 9 through 12. When Christ returns, it says that Jesus will return and set foot on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14, verse 3. God can remove the mountain, but he can also be present on the mountain, too. What mountain is a test for you today, but could become a testimony for you tomorrow? Speak to your mountain. If he doesn't remove it, God will bring you through it. Let that situation be your Sinai, your Mount Zion, your Mount Tabor, the place where you are overwhelmed, intimidated, and afraid. But you faced it. You climbed it. You scaled the mountaintops. And then you got to the place, and there God met you. There God showed himself in power and in glory. There God cemented who he was in your mind. So that you weren't thinking, well, I'm not sure if God can, or if he will, or if he would even bother. It would change your circumstance to see God in a different light. And you're probably going to see him on the mountaintops. In Scripture, we always like to talk about it this way, or in the Christian life, we like to say it this way. Is that, you know, I'm either on a mountaintop experience, or I'm experiencing the valleys. And we don't like the valleys because we're like the valleys are a low point. The valleys are times where we feel like we're not close to God. Times we feel like we're going through things. And the mountaintops, we think they're wonderful because, you know, on the mountaintops, you know, that's, we can see for miles. We have perspective. God's with us. We feel closer to God than we do in the valleys. The truth is God's in both. He's on the mountains and he's in the valleys. In the valleys, that's where the river is, that's where growth takes place. On the mountains, the view is amazing. But what do you notice on the mountains? 
No growth. It's barren. The view is amazing. But you just have to go back down from the mountain. You can't stay on the mountain. It's like living on Mount Washington right now. Right? Can you imagine what the wind that we were having, what it's like over there now? We're not meant to live on the mountaintop. We're meant to dwell in the valleys, but the mountaintops are our experience and our connection with God so that when we go down from the mountain, we're ready to face whatever's coming our way. Can I ask you, what is your mountain today? Can you think about that for just a moment? What is your mountain? Is it a spouse that doesn't believe in God and isn't saved? Is it a mom or dad who's sick not doing well? Is it a child that's far from God and going down the wrong pathway? Is it a persistent sickness that you have or a condition that refuses to go away? Is it a financial burden that's crushing your hopes and your dreams? Is it a job that you need and need God to come through for you? Whatever it is, pray to the Lord, bow your knee, cry out to God, Speak to your situation and speak to God and refuse to let your circumstances dictate how it's going to unfold. I challenge you today to trust the goodness and the character and the power of God and to pray in confident faith that he will bring you through. Does that mean that you'll see an answer every time? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But God's not asking us to fix the problem. He's not asking us to answer the prayer. He's just saying, will you just bring it to me? Whatever it is. Well, that's trivial. I don't want to bother God. Nothing is trivial for a father that cares for his children. When my kids were little, they could talk to me about anything. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, can we stop talking about it? No. Like, I want to hear what you have to say, even if I don't fully understand it. Even if I don't get it. And I'm going to try and connect with my kids because I care about them and I want to be a part of their lives. God cares about even the minutest detail about your life. Get in the habit of talking to him about these things. Will you trust the goodness, the character, and the power of God to bring you through? Do you believe you can do that today? Will you speak to your mountain, your situation? Will you call it what it is? And say, God, I see this for what it is. Thank you for showing me. I'm going to pray against this. And Lord, you're going to work. Lord, I know you're going to bring me through this. I know you're going to bring me over this today. Can we pray as we have the worship team return? I just want to pray and ask God for his help. So gracious God, let's, let's just pray right now. And whatever it is that you're facing at this exact moment, whatever it is your big, imposing, frightening thing that you're facing, would you just think about that thing right now and would you just bring it before the Lord? Would you just speak and identify it by name as we pray and say, God, would you move this mountain? God, would you come and do the impossible today? Let's do that as we pray and ask in confidence, knowing that God can and he will. So God, we just look to you today, Lord. We have full confidence, not in ourselves, not in our faith, not in our words, but in your word, Lord God. Lord, your word says that you're not willing that any should perish so that all would become to repentance. So we pray for our moms, our dads, our brothers and sisters, our children to come to saving faith in you right now in Jesus' name. 
we stand in agreement for that. Lord, we know that your word says, as anyone sick among you, ask for the elders of the church to pray, and the prayer often in faith will make the sick person well. Lord, we know that we can pray for healing and that you will heal. Lord, we know that David wrote, Lord, he said, uh, I was old and young, but now I am old, and I've never seen your righteous forsaken nor your children begging for bread. So, Lord, we know that you are a provider for your people and that you will bring about provision at just the right time. So, Lord, whatever each person is facing, we call it by name. Lord, whether it's sickness, disease, provision, Lord God, uh, challenging circumstances, changing mindsets, broken relationships, we call it by name. And we say, be removed now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would do a miraculous and the impossible above what we can ask, think, or even imagine, Lord God. Forgive us for the times that we made things bigger than you. Forgive us for the times where we doubted your presence, your power, and your goodness. We once again express our confidence in you that you can and will intervene on our behalf because you are our Savior, you are our Deliverer, and you are our Healer. So we bring it to you, Lord, and leave it before you, and we will continue to bring it to you every single time it comes to mind because we know that you are a powerful and miracle-working God and that you can do above what we can ask, think, or imagine. And if you agree with that today, we ask this now in Jesus' name. Say amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.